Welcome to Friends Fascinated, where two friends who can talk for hours, talk for hours. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio, and we're excited to have you along for the ride. If you like what you hear in this episode, don't forget to review and subscribe. Hey guys. How y'all doing? We should probably mention that (laughs) it's been a while. Just like a whole pandemic's worth of time. Just like six months and even that one was a (sighs) one-off. Maybe a year. Yeah. It's been a year, guys. So I'm trying to think of what the brief uh, recap of everything we've done and been through. (laughs) I don't think a brief (laughs) version exists. (laughs) I completely agree. Um... Where we left off was, I think our last episode was November of 2020, Mm -hmm. and we were doing our 2020 reflected episode about things we were grateful for in that horrid, horrendous, (laughs) disgusting pandemic of a year. And we had a, and there was a lot more to come after that still. (laughs) Yeah. um, There we thought we were maybe on the tail end, and, you know, we were trying to look forward to 2021, and... uh, And in a way, I mean, that was... Sort of. I mean, it was a sweet idea, well, but we were naive. <laughs> stupid, stupid. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't been that bad well, for us personally, but uh, it's well, been a whirlwind of the six months. Yes, exactly. But we're still, what was what we talked about today? Like the trauma that's being, oh, <laughs> I keep calling 2022, 2020. <laughs> and I keep realizing it's because my brain is stuck in 2020 because it hasn't yeah. healed from like. The pause my brain put on my life and what I'm doing. So, <laughs> yeah, well, and I was explaining to you in that conversation that I saw a post online about how the uh, timeline basically took a little loop, uh, a, a little side branch and looped back. And basically, it branched off in March of 2020 and it kind of reconnected in April 2021. Yeah. That year doesn't feel like it happened. It doesn't Truly. feel like it was a year long. It feels like it was both a decade and a nightmare. That we slept not through, but were tortured with. We were disassociated through. Yeah. Mindlessly. But in a weird way, it feels like if you told me that March 2020 then flowed directly into April 2021, I would be like, yeah, you know, actually that makes sense to me. Totally. So. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. In fact, I don't even think our Catan addiction (laughs) made it into our highlight reel of 2020. Had it fully set in yet? No, because we got... Like the game and all the well, we started playing the game oh. and then we bought. <laughs> I'm pretty sure for Christmas we ended up leaving with every single Catan expansion we did. or like the four main ones at least. Well, okay, so <laughs> to to talk the sidebar to talk about Catan, uh, Settlers of Catan is a wonderful game. Wonderful. We had played it. Yes. We just didn't understand how great it was, and we didn't play with the right people. Uh, no, team. I think we've played it together, but we didn't go full force yeah. and dedicate our life's goals yeah. to Catan <laughs> yet. And the reason we did was because Jet got very competitive. I did. She played once with yes. people that weren't us. Yeah. Eric and I. Yeah. And uh, she needed to it was a flop. win yeah. at Catan. Well, yeah, because I don't know if anybody's ever, ever played a board game where someone knows the rules like by heart and so they're metagaming, which mm-hmm. I wasn't so into games before where I even knew what metagaming is, but it's basically like someone knows the rules so stinking well that they know what's coming in Mm -hmm. the game and they use it as a strategy. Like they can, it's kind of like card counting and like, um, 
like when poker. you're gambling. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that. And so I felt like that that entire time. You're I, being manipulated. Yes. <laughs> like the first time I was playing Catan where I was so frustrated and so curious what the actual rules were that I could hold the freaking uh, description book of how to play the game that we played again. Mm-hmm. And it was a blast. And it was amazing. Yeah. And then we, and then we proceeded at... to play it three times a week, probably minimum. <laughs> Sometimes three times a night. Yeah. And we discovered that it's uh, both the only game that Dakota consistently wins at. Yes. And also the only game that no one else can win at. Yes. But it makes us all very competitive, exactly. especially Jet. <laughs> and so for Christmas, we got you an expansion. Your mom got you an expansion. And yes. then Eric and I found good deals on the other two expansions. Yes. Yep. So, yes, we own five different And then we also bought the base game to have at our house, too. So we have two True. copies of the base, one at each house, mm-hmm. and then we both both households have uh, two expansions. But we haven't wasted any money on the five- and six-person expansions because we don't have other <laughs> friends. There are it's no other just friends. Us. No, I was thinking about it. I was like, in my head, I was like, okay, well, what if we started, like, a Catan club or something to, like, try to make friends and, like, recruit mm-hmm. people in? I'm like, but it's four people. It's perfect. It's perfect. You have to spend more to get more pegs and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's this whole thing. So, anyway, I don't think we could have fallen such in love with that game unless there was a pandemic because, well, like... Well, if we were locked ta- in our house. Exactly. Houses. Yeah. With takeout. Because typically we would, like, go to concerts or go on mini road trips and, like, just be Record out Record a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have Shop time <laughs> to dedicate to things and it was more like oh we all happen to have the energy yep. tonight what can we do that requires no exactly. planning and minimal effort and we can play as long or as I'm short as we feel like it yep. yeah and that's what we did yes so that have continually done and it's a good takeaway like i love that game it's great but i've as you've probably noticed we've played a little bit less and a little bit less since mm-hmm. the pandemic has lightened up a little bit so. true we have had a little bit more to do, and the weather's nicer, so we're True. outside more. Exactly. And, yeah, we're starting to make plans and do things and uh, podcasts. Actually, have, yeah, <laughs> like schedules to do things in life and blah, blah, blah. Well, and we don't have to get into it, but we have had a crazy six months at yeah. work each, so neither of us had the energy to dedicate yes. to a hobby, unfortunately. I mean, I'm going to throw it out there because I think we deserve it that we were, we had a hand in part with helping vaccinate about 25,000 people. Yeah, we were actively helping vaccinate people in our community yeah. and planning the events and a large part of making it happen. Yeah. So we were doing great Kudos work. to us. Yeah, we did great. <laughs> we worked a lot of six-day weeks during the pandemic. So many. So many. So here we are. Yes. We have time for things. like We have weekends off again. Yeah, <laughs> we, would, we would talk about the podcast and be like, do you want to start? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Are you going to make it? So, so we would probably just like most of our time throughout this time has been uh, sitting next to each other on the couch watching TikTok. And playing Catan and, and eating Catan. takeout. And sometimes when we really feel up to it, we might go to a store. Yeah. For something. Shopping. Or, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So... We've made it out to, presumably, the other side. Yep, we are both fully vaccinated. Our households are fully vaccinated. Bam, bam. And it feels so good. Could not agree more. Highly recommend. Totally. And so we decided to take this opportunity to evaluate what we want our podcast to look like. We did. We did. And we are calling this version three. Season three. (laughs) Season three. Because not everyone may know there was a season one. Oh yeah, because it's, it's hard not to even find. Up yeah, we we don't 
We don't talk about those. Videos. <laughs> we don't talk about that. There it's was like too, too much echo, too much static. I mean, we're so crisp now. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, you know, when like you look back at your middle school and high school Facebook posts or like, the cringy recordings that you made of your friends singing songs, things oh, like yeah. that. Like there was, we were finding oh, ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. it was our maybe cringy yeah. start. We were the caterpillar. Everyone has it. Getting into the cocoon. Yeah. And then season two was kind of like being in our cocoon, finding out what type of butterfly we are. And now where we're at is like, let's have some fun. Mm-hmm. Let's do some free form. Let's pick topics that fascinate us mm-hmm. and interest us. And frankly, guys, I mean, we don't want to do a book report every week. And we hope you understand. But it, what we it do can be want. A lot. Yeah, it can be a lot. It can and be we <laughs> are easing back into this exactly. a little bit. So <laughs> we don't... Some grace, for context, we used to have a full evening dedicated to planning the episode. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we had to do another evening to yep. plan the episode to make yes. sure we were ready. Yes. And we didn't have the energy to do that just yet. Nope. So we thought rather than super deep dive into one topic every mm-hmm. time, we would do a high level overview and a mini just just a shallow swim in mm-hmm. a few topics that we we're interested in yeah each week because frankly that's what we do i mean that's, that's kind of what lives. our friendship was built upon mm-hmm. was just like spitballing ideas about the universe and the world and coming of age young women figuring out our lives and i mean we're still kind of doing that we're in our mid-20s some of us are in our upper 20s <laughs> hey rude you're next it's coming <laughs> Mackenzie just turned 26 and i'm a still you're still uh, a young 25 year old yes, in your prime quite yeah. spring chicken rub it in <laughs> <laughs> so anyway uh we just wanted to take it a little bit easy be a little bit cash let you guys get to know us a little bit more um just like stories about us and what you can kind of see the train of thought that we have based on some things that intrigue us throughout our week. And um, we're also, fun part of this is we're surprising each other with our That's topics. True. We haven't discussed what we are bringing to the table. Yeah. So now we're at the table and we've brought topics. We have. I would love you to hit me with one. Hit me. Hit me. So I am going to start. I have two and they're fairly different. Okay. So I'm going to start with one. That Eric told me about, my husband, Eric. Uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, what should I talk about on the podcast this week? And he told me something and I couldn't tell if it was a joke. So I thought that might be a good, fun thing Ooh. to start with. So, uh, you know Jeff Bezos, right? Owner of Amazon. Yeah, he founded <laughs> Amazon and apparently Blue Origin, Blue which Origin. my understanding is a space company, like SpaceX. Oh. It's his own version. Really? I think. I what is with that? What is with rich guys and being like, hmm? They're like, oh, I have an expensive car or I You know what I don't want to do? a car company. Help people get medical care and pay my employees more. You know what I want to do is send a pew-pew ship up to space. <laughs> well, it's probably like, oh, I don't want to go back to school to be a space astronaut. So I'll just make a company so I yeah. no one can tell me no. Yeah. That's probably what it is. Nice. So, um, yeah, that Jeff Bezos. Okay. Uh, he founded... A company called Blue Origin. Blue Origin. Noted. And he is going to go into space. And he's taking his brother. Yeah. I know. It's weird. Uh, But that's not the weird part. Do you want to hear the weird part, please? People. People. Are signing a petition. signing a petition. For him to not come back. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, sick bird. It has over 13,000 signatures. (laughs) 
could it be because he's wasting his money to go to space and not helping uh, Amazon employees? I mean, that's part of it. I I mean, I don't want to start wars, but I will <laughs> say I have not heard good things about working at Amazon. Yeah, same, actually. Um, so I don't know the full background, but I thought it was very interesting. And granted, it's a humorous petition. <laughs> it's not going to make it so he can't Ugh. actually come back to Earth. But yeah, that was kind of the idea. And so my first thought was, wait, can that happen? Which I realized, no, that'd be stupid. Yeah. But I started to be interested in petitions and how they work. Because oh. I've never thought about it. And so... I like this rabbit hole. I like yeah, this so rabbit it was hole. very much like a Wikipedia rabbit hole that I okay. went on today. Okay. And so there are a handful of noteworthy petitions. Ooh, and that actually got instated? Um, no. Or just me. <laughs> See, and that's... So that's what I thought was interesting was... Some of these have like 100,000 signatures. And so what I was trying to understand that I didn't fully understand was, is there a certain amount of signatures for any type of petition where it has to happen? (laughs) And the answer is basically no. No. Yeah. It's just to bring light to Hmm. certain situations. And they can be humorous. They can be real. I think the one, the Jeff Bezos one is on change.org, which I've (laughs) seen and I've signed petitions on that for like Black Lives Matter and Mm -hmm. things like that. So it's like a legitimate site. Yeah. But... The White House specifically has, like, I don't know if you'd call it a department or a section of the White House dedicated to this. Because obviously like they get... use them or something? Um, yes. So, well, that that's how I understand it. Yeah. And so they have actually had, like, an evolving process. So it used to be if it had 5,000 signatures, then the White House essentially promised to respond in some way. To acknowledge it. And then it was increased. I see where this is going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was increased to, I think, 10,000? To about mm, 5 million. (laughs) And funny enough, this was over Obama's um, presidency, I believe, that it kind of evolved. So it went from 5,000 to 25,000 and then to 100,000. And I think it's because they were seeing an increase in petitions, maybe. That's just a guess. Hmm. Um, And they actually predicted that it would change with Trump's presidency. And I don't believe it did. But there were notable petitions against him. Please. But, so I guess I'll start with those. And then I have a funny one that I'll end on. (laughs) But one was about Trump taxes. Okay. So uh, within hours of Trump's presidency, or I guess his inauguration, Mm -hmm. uh, two petitions started online to basically release his tax information, yeah. which, yeah. to my understanding, did eventually happen. Did it really? Well, we found out he paid, what, like $700 in taxes Is that year. true? Oh, my you. It was I like... Don't, I don't remember. It makes me sad. It Just makes me sick it. because um, we won't get into it. Yeah. Um, anyway, so one was to verify and, like, get reports because people suspected either he wasn't complying or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so that received 100,000 signatures within 24 hours. That's a lot. Holy smokes. Yeah. And there was another petition kind of adjacent to that. So um, one received almost 400,000 signatures and another one over 100,000 signatures. And by February 17th, which was the deadline to reach 100,000 signatures, it exceeded a million signatures. Making it the first petition on this, the... White House website to do that. You've got to wonder. Have <laughs> this is a slight tangent. Um, you remember <laughs> this was like 
early pandemic times, I think. Well, no, somewhere around the election when Trump was having his rallies and the K-pop fans hacked <laughs> his website and told him he was sold out. And then he, he no one showed up. <laughs> well, okay, wasn't that, if I remember correctly, that was from TikTok, wasn't yeah, it? I so think people so. on TikTok basically plotted against him to like, hey, oh, yeah. you can sign up. You don't have to verify your email address. And you don't have to go. And you don't have to go. So free. then he ended up, I think, right, renting a second venue. Yeah, and and they money. were basically empty. Yep. And he was really upset. So that's when he tried to ban TikTok from the country. True. And that's when our company said we couldn't use TikTok anymore Boo. because it was basically getting banned because they were going Boo. with the uh, basically reasoning that something in China's internet practices made it insecure. Yeah. We are now allowed to use TikTok. So yeah. we don't care anymore. But Interesting. That's actually quite the conspiracy if you isn't think about it? it. Like, screw you, little hands. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that... And the fact that that infiltrated all the way down to where we were and just for It some, affected our individual yeah, lives, lives on a small scale on, yeah. in social uh, well, media. Yeah, obviously it's not but that big of a deal. But still, like... TikTok brought us a lot of joy and a lot of peace during the well, pandemic. And I hate to say it, but it actually... We... So the vaccine clinics we helped with did not experience this, but... I was hearing, and I don't know if... I, I don't know if it was TikTok or what, but on the internet, people got a similar opposite idea to do the same thing for vaccine appointments to sign up for them and then oh, not show up. Dude, and that when, makes me so mad. It, see, and the worst thing about it is that vaccines get go wasted. to waste if yeah. they don't get used. So, dude. yeah. So I we heard of that happening that. in our area. It didn't happen at any of our relevant things that we were doing. But I That's heard, right there. yeah, it's so bad stuff. And then they'd call <laughs> and be like, hey, where are you? You're not here for your appointment. And they'd be like, basically, screw vaccines, screw this. It's all a lie. It's all stupid, blah, blah, blah. Go Trump. Yeah, awful, 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 awful. It was happening around the country. Ooh, that makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, happening around the country. It must have gotten nip, nipped in the bud because that didn't – I didn't hear of it for very long. But, yeah. Ew. But on a positive note, we're sending vaccines to other countries to help yeah. them. So, Yay. you know, there's Yay. something. Um, it's about time. Um, so do you want to hear the funny petition? Yes, please. Um, so our husbands are huge nerds. Yes. So they will appreciate this. Dorkies. In November of 2012, a petition was created urging the government to create a Death Star as an economic stimulus and job creation. Ooh. It got over 25,000 signatures. Oh. Which is enough at the time to qualify for an official response from the White House. <laughs> and the way I'm reading this is they wanted a life-sized, like, real-seeming Death Star. Yeah, like people could be in it. And so uh, the official tongue-in-cheek response to this in December, excuse me, in January of 2013, uh, noted that the cost of the building of a real Death Star it would estimate 852 quadrillion dollars, oh. and at the current <laughs> rate of steel production, would not be ready for 833,000 years. <laughs> and the response also noted that the administration does not support blowing up planets. I'm into it. So. That's pretty cool. That's it, quite the tangent. You went I down know. quite your own little rabble, rabbit hole right there. Yeah. I have like some interesting topics to talk about, but that was quite the quite the spiral. I, I yeah. That. Basically, I gave you a true taste of my Wikipedia rabbit hole. And it started from a silly article about Jeff Bezos not being allowed to return to Earth oh. and how petitions work. Uh-huh. So uh, it was fun. It started with a laugh and an are you serious? And mm. 
That's interesting because um, that's exactly it. That's like the social way that the stock market works. If you think about How it. What do you mean? Um, well, stocks are based on the public opinion of the value of a company. Ooh, and yeah. so if you think about what a petition is, it's showing what the public's opinion is on XYZ matter. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's my interpretation of how stocks work on a very, very dumb level because I've never <laughs> invested in it. No, it's true. Like it's all PR. Yeah, totally. Because that's where the value is. Mm-hmm. And so in a similar way, and I saw actually, I, I don't remember which one it was about, but there are petitions that are created not necessarily to make the change. Like they realize some of the changes that they're petitioning for aren't realistic but it draws attention to and brings essentially insight to the world and theoretically could educate people on things that they don't know about. So similar how movements happen, you know, with Black Lives Matter and things like that, mm-hmm. it brings attention to something that otherwise maybe wouldn't be acknowledged or mm-hmm. that people wouldn't learn about as yeah. much. So it causes it to be in the news, in the media, mm-hmm. and... It's all about the PR. And a lot of times when things change, it's because either the government or companies are trying to save face. Mm -hmm. So if it's about arresting someone or changing a policy or something like that, there's a good chance if you get enough signatures and it becomes public enough that it's going to work. Yeah, I'll get picked up by the news and all that. Mm -hmm, Because they don't want the bad press. Yep. So that's what it's about. I like you petitions. You're funny and kind of cool. And if anyone's interested in petitions, change, I believe it's change.org, uh, yeah, is one that's legitimate and hmm. has some interesting stuff. Let's so you can go out. explore. And I mean, it, it takes, it's just like voting. It takes, you know, a bunch of people doing their individual thing to make their individual impact and all adds hmm. up. So nice. Yeah. I mean, that was that. My, my rabbit hole. Hit me with yours. (laughs) Well, mine actually stems off the fact that we recently traveled Mm -hmm. and um, that I have a fear of dying on airplanes. Mm. So I looked up what what are turbulence. Oh. So that we could know what they are. Do you want to hear my theory of what turbulence Mm -hmm. is caused Mm -hmm. by? Yes, please. I have always just assumed that when, well, so the air in general, out in space in the atmosphere breathe the air um yeah it's when wind happens and weather it's pressure and it's changing and it's causing the air to move Mm -hmm. so i always just assumed that when you hit turbulence it's wind in the air or pressure changes Mm -hmm. that's it that's my assumption yeah you're absolutely right (gasps) yay (laughs) pretty much i've never verified that (laughs) actually so this is a pretty short piece but basically what i learned is that turbulence are If you can, so air is obviously invisible to the human eye, but if you can imagine what water looks like, Mm -hmm. air moves a lot like water does. So if you I guess it has moisture. Yeah, but it's 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 kind of like thinking about molecules and sciencey things floating around in the (laughs) air, but that get pushed around, like you said, by like wind and pressure and how things change. So just like how the tides roll in and there are waves, Mm. and sometimes they're bigger and sometimes they're smaller is based on the temperature and the pressure of the world and how things move. Mm -hmm. So things that cause turbulence are things called jet streams, just like me, (laughs) which are just like what you talked about. Apparently they are based off of where the poles of the earth are, so like North Pole and the South Pole. See, I feel stupid because I thought it was (laughs) the wind caused by a plane. A jet stream. Oh, 
that's, that's really funny. What I always no. thought it was. Actually, I hadn't considered that, but no, it is not a stream made by another jet that makes you <laughs> that all you ran way. into. You think they could plan a little better for that? Then oh, <laughs> be like, there's so many of yeah. them. Huh? Interesting thought, but no, it's not driving through a it's basically like a little river. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, yeah. There's pressurized air funnels, mm. basically. Again. If you think about Finding Nemo, where the, the <laughs> turtles are in that stream of water. Oh, what is that a, called? It's the... um. If we don't figure it out, people are going to go insane. It's on the tip of my brain. What is it? P94 Wallaby Way Sherman. Oh, that's just the address. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up. Okay. But anyway, basically, um, turbulence are how the air moves through... The world. And so if there's mountains, it swirls off the mountains just like a wave and flies up in the air and makes your plane get all bumpy. I so mean, there, that makes sense. Yeah, there are those and there are the jet streams. It's the EAC, the East Australia Current. Yeah, that one. That one. So just like that, if you can picture, like, at least that's what I picture, are these pockets of air that, makes sense. that are flowing different ways, causing our wind to blow through the air and pressures to change and blah, 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 blah. So I feel stupid. Yeah. Uh, so does that mean that there's, like, different densities of air that cause barriers? Because why else would it not flow evenly other than that it's being, like, pushed around a bunch? I mean, because that, water is usually directed by like rocks and land. Well, yeah. So so is air. So if there are pointy mountains everywhere with oh. all these like ramp like surfaces, yeah, the air pushes up against it. And guess what? Where does it go? Up off the ramp. Oh, yeah. That just, makes sense. so just like a wave when it like crashes against the water, the air is kind of crashing upward that into the so sky and making bumpy air. So you're likely to experience. The turbulence when you're going over mountain ranges or when mm. you're passing through the occasional jet stream, which is normally why before you even fly, they can warn you like over, I think on our last flight, they said over Montana, we're going to experience some bumpiness, which Montana is mm. very mountainous. So that makes sense. But it could have been a jet stream too. So they could plan for mountain ranges and they could plan for... Like clouds the, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But storms are another thing. And just like you talked about with pressure... That can be more unpredictable. So that's mm. that's the one that's a little bit more spooky, I guess, because basically you can assume within clouds with that like moisture content, things are going to change in the air, and that's what causes the turbulence. Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't been on an airplane where anything too crazy happens. Oh man! Um, but I always worry about the flight attendants because they're walking around. Yeah. And my husband has been on an airplane that was struck by lightning. They told him, uh, I think at the end they were like, "Hey, by the way." This happened, but you're fine. I hate that. Yeah, but it but it truly was fine. And so, but I do like my, it's probably from movies, imagination is when they, like, flight attendants fly up and hit their head or yeah. fall into people's laps totally. and stuff like that, which is terrifying. And whew, yeah, in some ways their job seems cool, but I would never want it. Agreed. And so I guess the things that I wanted to talk about is how to cope with it. Because the first thing mm. that helped me was, like, learning about it. Because I'm definitely someone who's afraid of being on planes. Not, like, um, paralyzingly so or, like, mm. I need to be medicated. I know a lot of people have it much worse than myself. You don't even seem nervous, honestly. Like, it's not noticeable. It, yeah. So it's when it's usually takeoff and landing. And then if there are turbulence, 
Um, but for me, it's helped. I've looked it up before, so I eased my mind, but I wanted a refresher for this episode since we had experienced it. And I know you said your husband, Eric, gets a little nervous too. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. His plane has been struck by lightning. Um, but I also wanted to tell the story about the worst turbulence I had ever felt because that's why I care about this. <laughs> Were you not scared before this? Uh, No, I totally was, but um, I traveled a lot for work, so I actually had calmed down quite a bit because um, just through trial and error and, like, seeing the (laughs) patterns, I knew, okay, once you take off, you're likely to, like, turn a bunch, and so your plane isn't, like, going to crash. They're usually just, like, pointing their nose at whatever direction you're headed towards, so then don't freak out with that. Okay, then once you're up in the sky, usually when you break through that pressurized air, like where the mm-hmm. clouds sit, you're going to feel some bumps breaking through that just because the pressure changes. Yeah. So then I wrap my mind around that. So, and that's the typical, like, takeoff landing thing that you can see the patterns of and get more comfortable with. And I'm a kind of a control freak, so I tend to get <laughs> scared knowing, like, okay... Mr. Pilot guy, I wouldn't pick some random white guy to (laughs) drive me around all the time, but I guess today we're going in the sky on this big robot. So anyway, um, I had been able to cope with it over time because I had seen those patterns. But I got scared again when I thought I was on my last living day on Earth because um, something about the area that we're from is we have a really small airport. It's gotten a little bit bigger since then. Um, would have to fly into Seattle. But the only flights you could get from our town into Seattle were on propeller planes because it's like a half-hour ride. Not that very many people had to travel. Like maybe like it's got to be less than like 50 people on the flight. It's tiny. And it's on propeller planes. Not not like what you'd see in Alaska. (laughs) But like, I mean, Alaska Airlines, but not... Like the biggest propeller plane that exists. Yeah, exactly. So... You take that over. But the thing about these little planes is that they like to jump around. I don't know what it is about propeller planes being all bumpy. They must be small, easy to move. Well, really when they're lighter, they they get thrown around easier. Yeah. So one time when I was coming back from a work trip, it was late at night. Um, must have been like 8 p.m. or something. It was pitch black at the time. And um, we were going through a storm. And so the... Um, the pilot announced before we even took off, like, it's stormy all the way there, so we're going to likely not have any drink service for this short flight and, you know, just keep your seatbelts fastened and we'll arrive safely in mm-hmm. where you're from. So, um, took off. was bumpy from the get-go. It was stormy. I think it was just like your typical, like, uh, like thunderstorm, tons of rain, that sort of thing all the way from Seattle. So, I sat next to a girl because, again, this plane is so small it's two by two seating super tiny all the way to the front but the girl I sat next to we didn't talk like the whole way up it was totally fine but then when the turbulence started and I'm an introvert I will not talk to the person next to me unless they like ask me a direct question Mm -hmm. like it's not gonna happen I will not ask a follow-up question I will answer whatever you need to say to be polite and then I will go back to my speak when spoken to and end it as soon as possible but in this scenario the turbulence got so bad I had no choice but to tell this person my life story and basically (laughs) we were both death gripping our uh what our arrests yeah um and telling each other where why we were going back to where we're from Um, and we were in those dead air drops that they talk about where like they, yeah. So you, I've never experienced it felt like you were dropping 10 feet. So like, kind of like when you get going 
like on the drop on a, like a roller coaster where you feel like the like the fat in your cheeks kind of floats for a yeah, second. Yeah, well, and your stomach is ten yes. feet above you. Oh yeah, so it was like that, but also bumpy in between those. So free falls and bumps. And again, like I said, it was like a 30-minute flight, like, up in the sky. So, like, of course, you have the boarding and the getting up in the air. But there was 30 minutes where you're up in the sky. We were doing that almost the whole way. Probably 20 minutes of that were just like that. And it was like people were praying. People were screaming. (gasps) Screaming the whole way. And then we flattened out enough. And we figured out the storm had stopped, like, closer to where um, we were going that they actually decided to do drink service <laughs> and they gave out free beer and wine to everyone because everybody was so traumatized. Yes. Yeah. I could not drink alcohol after that, but also I'd probably try. Oh no, people were like pass two. Like yeah, they were like yeah. handed over. Yeah. Um, so that happened. Super scary, super terrifying. My closest experience to like those drops is we have a amusement park in outside of Coeur d'Alene, which is sort of near where we live. And when I was probably 12, we went for a friend's birthday party. And there is this ride, if you want to call it that, called the, I think it's called the Panic Plunge. And it is a three second. It's, I I think it's only three seconds. It's so fast, but it's a drop. It drops Is it a water slide? No. Oh. It's like a roller coaster, but not. Where it's this like donut shaped thing <laughs> with seats around it and they uh, raise it up like oh, 200 feet I know what you're talking about and yep. then I think drop it yeah. at I assume whatever speed things fall which yeah. is like 100 miles an hour yeah. I don't know if that's true yeah um it was the worst three seconds of my entire life I've never done it again <laughs> really? I never will do it again it just because it was scary or that awful. it felt weird the, the feeling I I thought I was so mentally prepared for it and granted I was a kid <laughs> maybe I'd be fine now but it was awful the feeling it gave me, the feeling yeah. in my stomach, oh, no. Yeah. So, and I knew that was happening. So, uh, to ha- experience that and not understand, like, not know that yeah. it's supposed to happen yeah. and what's going to happen next, I can't even I hate that. imagine. So, well, the reason why I asked if it was a water slide is because where I came from, there was a water, like, a really big water park. And one of the new slides back in the day when I lived there was they installed racing slides, but they were free fall racing slides where you would oh. fall for like 20 feet. I've seen those without on the internet. And so like you are straight up falling from the sky and then it like slowly curves you out. So you're laying on something. What happens is you free fall. It feels terrifying. You scream and then your feet hit the water on the water slide and drown you for about a solid 15 seconds until you're off. I did it once and I was like, I thought I was going to die. That I sounds never awful. Did. It, was, it was not fun. It was scary. And there's no way you can fall. And that's fall. unsafe, I you feel don't know. Like. I don't know how something like that could be passed. That's it's, what I'm wondering. Besides the fact that they're like... It's such a short time to drown, you won't die. <laughs> because <laughs> it's probably shallow. Because it's what the wave of water hitting you. You as are it going splashes. so fast that when your feet hit the water, the spray shoots up your nose because Ugh. you're flying downward. That's awful. And obviously, the water isn't moving that fast down with you. Ugh. That sounds terrible. It was terrible. And so there's things like that where I'm like, that isn't fun. No. I don't know what's wrong with you, you demon. Like, why would you create something like that? I have hardly experienced any water parks. We had 
pretty sure my top came off like pretty much actually that's a good point it probably happens constantly because when you're falling and sliding that fast i think they make you cross your arms See, I think from the videos I've seen, it's like that. But I've never seen the Ooh. end result. I've seen people, like, about to go down and then scream their head well, off no, as they and fall the, vertically. And the thing you're standing on is clear. So you oh. can see where you're about to go down. Yeah, super scary. Is it a tube or, like, a slide? It's your person. And is it enclosed? Um, the spot where you fall from is enclosed during the free fall. And then once it's, like, once it slows down, I think it opens back up. Ugh. It's been, like, 10 years. So you can't, like, fly out of it. I no. suppose. Well, not that I know of. That sounds terrible. Yeah. I know there's a roller coaster at Silverwood, like I mentioned, where it's one of the old wood ones, but mm. when you go, it's like, it, and it's not huge, but you go in like the up-down part, and then there's a sign that says, don't stand up, because there's boards <laughs> above you. And it's oh, like, what? And I'm pretty sure that sign's there for a reason, mm, because yeah. it could take a head off. So, uh, yeah, I don't really understand how things like that are allowed. Things like that exist. So I'm a pretty big chicken about roller coasters. I'll do medium ones, but not big ones. Yeah. Good point. I mean, similar to turbulence. I feel like something like that I wouldn't want to go on unless I researched, like, the history of it and, like, what it's going to do to me and what the G-force is or (laughs) whatever the heck to know it's safe because you never know. See, and I don't do, like, I don't think I would do research on those things, but I think it's kind of a gut feeling of, like, yeah. I look at it, I watch people do it, and then I have a gut feeling of if I can handle it or not. Yeah, you're like, I know better than that. Yeah, and so, like, as a kid, I, my family would go to Six Flags sometimes when we lived in California, and I was a kid, so we went on teacups and, like, nothing crazy. <laughs> but my sister would go on, like, the biggest <laughs> vertical drops ever, and yeah. I don't think I could ever do it. Yeah. But, I, I but part of me also wants to go to Six Flags and see what I'm capable of. Yeah. True. So, who knows? Maybe sometime soon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm game. Take some drum mean <laughs> hit it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, All right. Uh, take a lot of... What do you got cool. next? Okay. So, my next one. This is completely different from my first one. Bring it. Mine are all random, too. Another tangent. And I figured I would go through, like, my thought process of why I landed Please. on this. Because a part of why I thought this kind of format would be fun was because throughout the week, we tend to... And some of this stuff, like, we'll talk about and we'll go on tangents. And I do that in my brain constantly. Yeah. So uh, when I was thinking about things that I might want to talk about, I was kind of thinking about things that are relevant to us right now. Yeah. I and love like this weekend, we're going to go to the beach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one thing I like to do at the beach is I have a metal detector. Mm-hmm. And I like to take my metal detector out and see what I can find in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And. So that's where I started. Okay. And so I was like, oh, I could, like, look up things about metal detecting. And I was like, no one would find that interesting. That's so boring. I'm not going to do that. But. Beep, 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 But then I was thinking about it. And so part of it, it's, like, the need to want to find things literally in the dirt. Yeah. That were lost. Mm-hmm. Why? That's interesting. It's hidden treasure. It's hard to know. Yeah. But then I was thinking about this TikTok that I saw earlier in the week where this girl was like, I don't know why, but I like to collect shiny rocks. Or no, it was smooth rocks. Smooth rocks. And like, I'm. Sh- they seemed like perfectly nice rocks, but they weren't pretty rocks. Yeah, <laughs> they were just like smooth, normal rocks, like but they were satisfying texture. Yes, gotcha. and she went on to say that like she's given them to friends and family, and she thinks they're cool, and like they don't keep them, and it like hurts her feelings. <laughs> oh. And I was thinking about collecting, mm-hmm. and so 
I'm so curious where you're going with this. No, I know. No, so mainly it's about collecting. But then, again, like, at work the the other day, I heard someone talking about, like, how they went to their mom's house and their sister found an old box with teddy bears from when they were three. And Mm -hmm. his sister was like, oh, do you want to take these with you? And he's like, no. No. (laughs) Yeah. And I think everyone kind of has that experience. Like, my mom still has toys from when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And... Like, I'm pretty sure she still has, like, my first, a piece of hair from my first haircut and, like, my teeth and all these things. And, like, my husband is super into Pokemon cards right now Mm -hmm. and he's always been into Pokemon. But so he's, like, got this basically collection of things right now. And so I was thinking about kind of the psychology of why people would collect things. Mm -hmm. Like, why as humans do we feel the need to collect things? Mm -hmm. And so... It's, it's more of like a thought experiment yeah, than anything. Sure. I it. didn't do even that much research. But basically, a quick explanation was people often do it either, well, mostly for like an emotional connection. Okay. Which makes sense for like when your parents save things from when you're a yeah. baby. Aww. Or Aww. like my mom, I know, would like she wanted to, well, she still keeps all of the like toys from when we were kids and she has always said even when we were like five that they were for grandkids to then come play with the grandma's house yeah and so and she's funny like she wanted to keep all the vhs's too like the vhs tapes Mm -hmm. to watch movies it's like mom you can just watch a dvd (laughs) yeah it doesn't have to be that's what uh, disney plus is for anyway exactly so there's all kinds of stuff like that so um i was just interested in why people would collect things and so it really was like nostalgia like people want to relieve their childhood and some of it's monetary like people are trying to collect things because they have value um and some of it is insecurity or anxiety about losing something or losing Mm -hmm. part of your past Mm. and i know like love where you're going with this (laughs) i love this well that's good because it has no direction (laughs) that's okay like and that makes me think of like my grandparents um I had a set of grandparents that were older than maybe most grandparents. Um, And so they lived in the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And so they kept literally everything. everything. Macaroni boxes, like their Tupperware was like old Mm -hmm. butter containers. Yep. Um, Everything. My grandmother, also from the Depression era, um, she would go to McDonald's for coffee every single day Mm -hmm. with her husband. And there was a point where... I, I don't know. It's like it's like a mom thing, right? So she came to visit my family, and she brought um, a freezer full of apple pie, oh. of the apple pies. So she would go buy coffee, I and I think those. my dad mentioned once, like, he liked the apple pies there yeah. or whatever. And so she would buy one, like, every day and put it in her freezer and oh. kind of hoard it away. But, you know, else she collected while she did it? She what? would save her co- like paper coffee cup mm. and the plastic lid thing and as stacks she would rinse them out and wash them and collect them and bring them to our house to use as cups mm-hmm. for us like because she knew oh uh, so my mom so it would be her daughter-in-law drank a lot of coffee she's like oh patty could use these to have her Whoa. coffee every single day and so literally paper cups just like any you know yeah like a take Starbucks out a cup, cup. yeah but wash it. My mom but does that. But sometimes she, her eyesight wasn't very good, so there'd Ooh. still be lipstick on the lid. <laughs> so it was really sad because, yeah, yeah, like those Depression era folks collecting all the mm. things because maybe there wouldn't once. be cups. Yeah. Well, and my grandma's version of that was she would use a tea bag until it was 
practically nothing. <laughs> that's so she, funny. It, yeah, so she would that's so make tea, cute, and then she would set the tea bag on like a little dish yeah. for later, and yep. then she'd steep it again, yep. and she'd use it. Who knows how yeah, long until, until it was, was literally again. flavorless. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and my mom has little things like that. Like yeah. she will wash and reuse Ziploc bags. Mm-hmm. My mom did that too. She yeah. would put them. She, she would still put does. the big ones in the washing machine. Oh, yeah, it, like inside out. No. Apparently not. Apparently not. Maybe not all the time. I don't have a dishwasher, so I don't really know what things melt in the dishwasher. Yeah. Maybe they weren't that good back then. That's a good she point. Definitely did Probably weren't as hot. Yeah. Top shelf. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, it's and so it just got me thinking about like the things people save versus not. That actually makes me feel a lot better about myself because I don't really <laughs> have a collection of money. Oh wait, I've squished well, pennies. Oh, see, okay, so that's actually kind of why I circled back to this topic because I thought it was interesting because. As you mentioned, we just traveled. And mm-hmm. so the thing that I tend to get on trips is, I mean, I like to get some kind of little like swag token. or memory yeah. or yeah, token for where I went. And so a lot of times it's the Starbucks you are here mugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have little like tidbits of, I don't know, little icons about where you're, where they are. So yeah. um, like, for example, the Seattle one, I think it has a space needle. Mm-hmm. It has probably fish and pine trees and stuff like yeah. that. So uh, it's relevant. So it's just kind of a fun memory. Mm-hmm. And so we have probably 20 of them. Interesting. And so it's just like a fun thing. And then, and I literally. I'm totally going to psychoanalyze everybody now. Because like, what does mm-hmm. that say about me and you? Like, yeah, I do squished pennies, but they say where they are. Yep. And I'm really cheap. So I know mm. that's the cheapest thing I can get that's really cute, but it's also like metal, so it seems like valuable to me and it will last forever and I don't know. So that's interesting. No, that's but point. other folks, like, it's interesting to see what they would collect. I'm trying mm. to think of like what my husband collects. But I don't think he really has anything. Unless you count like little blocks of wood, like scrap wood. <laughs> see, that was my first thought was like wood yeah. things. And so I think you guys like the actual like physical material mm-hmm. of things I, I think you guys find that interesting we're artsy. and yeah you are <laughs> and like eric and i well for me at least i kind of like to have something that gives me the vibe of being yeah. there and mm-hmm. so those cups they have kind of little yeah. tidbits about the yeah. place and so in the morning i'll literally like pick up a mug and i'm like do i feel like jamaica today or do i feel like <laughs> dublin today yeah and it's that sounds really pretentious, but like no, it's it, really it picks cute. my morning vibe when I do it, and so it's just kind of a, a like fun that. random thing. No, that's and good. like I don't know, so there's all kinds of versions of that. And I do have things from when I'm a kid that I don't know why I still have them. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily add value. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily have a fond memory. It's just something that I've always had. Mm-hmm. It was probably like on a bookshelf when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I don't get rid of it because I've always had it, and it's only in a box now. Yep. Like, it doesn't have, it's not physically. Yeah, Yeah. it's just there. Yep. Uh, Eric has this trunk of things that his mom saved for him. Mm -hmm. And we have it, and it's it's just there. Yep. And it's something that, like, sure, in, like, I mean, it'd be cool to look through now, but even in, like, 20 more years, it'd be cool to look back at, it's kind of like a time capsule. Yeah. So, Hmm. I don't know, but. I like that. Yeah, so it's just kind of a fun, interesting thing. And, of course, the. There was a Freudian take on it. Do you want to hear the creepy, weird Freudian take? Uh, I'll give you the shortened version of what I remember. (laughs) Wait, is it? it, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't quite the mommy issues I expected. Okay. So Freud, usually it's mommy issues. Um, It was weirder, maybe. Mm -hmm. Eh, Maybe not. Um, 
basically it had something to do with like as a kid you have your first bowel movement and you feel empty and like you lost something <laughs> so you feel the need to keep no my poop <laughs> yeah so you're sad that you lost your poop forever so you keep other things to fill the void that's my take on what i read so that's why i like food because <laughs> you're that, refilling your voice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one, one other note about it was some collections turn into museums. Ooh. And I love going through like museums or like collections or things mm-hmm. like that and kind of seeing the history. So I think obviously it depends on what it is and not everything has historical significance. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes those collections... Yeah, kind of like I said, like a time capsule. Yeah, but that's so cool. Yeah, so I love that. very interesting takes, and of course, it gets into hoarding, but we won't we won't get into uh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The so we'll we'll leave it on a yeah I'm sweet cool with nostalgic that. vibe. So okay. that was my second item. Hmm. Speaking of tokens or having a lot of coin, mm-hmm. something that um, is a huge part of my personality trait is pretending I'm going to move somewhere. <laughs> hey, I do that. <laughs> it's like one of the things we have in common. We it's talk like, about it all the time. Yeah, so we travel to pretend that if we <laughs> move there, what would happen? What would our lives be? Well, and I think part of like watching TV and growing up and reading books and all that, you imagine yourself in those places. Mm-hmm. So you want to like live it out and see if you actually like yeah. it or not. And some of that is like we've both experienced, I mean, mine was a little bit further, but it's still the same premise is – When we moved away to go to college, we moved away from, like, our hometowns or, like, where we were comfortable or where we had our coming-of-age years into our, like, actual freedom and our adulthood Mm -hmm. for college was, like, I moved six hours away from where I was and I saw so much growth in myself in those years where I made that change where now I kind of desire, like, ripping myself (laughs) free. Yeah, like, I'm like, what kind of chaos can I bring? (laughs) Just to, like, because I've seen myself grow and I've seen the people who've, like, stayed in my hometown, no harm, no shade, and the people who've gone back after college. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's, it just sucks you into some bubble. And I desire Mm -hmm. this experience of, of, like, branching out. So See, I totally get it because I love the i love the anonymity of a big town anyway Mm -hmm. and we don't live in a big city we live in a small town so you can't huh little town oh little (laughs) town (laughs) and uh you can't go to the grocery store without seeing someone you know usually yeah and so i i like going somewhere and it just kind of gives you like a clean slate Mm -hmm. exactly feeling and you get to like pretend that you're in that book where you're like Think the Cullens in the lunchroom. No one knows anything about you. Yeah. You could be mysterious. You could reinvent yourself. Exactly. So you have options. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. theoretically, you can do that where you're at. You don't need to move away and start exactly. a new life to reinvent yourself. Yes. But I will say when Eric and I moved away, and granted, we only moved an hour and a half. It wasn't nearly as far. But even being away for like six months or a year, we would go back and we discussed. We're like, hmm, it doesn't feel like home Mm -hmm. when we go back Mm -hmm. nothing against like being there like we liked growing up there it was great but home wasn't there and now like we come home to our small town yeah and it does feel like home Mm -hmm. and so I I think everyone needs to find that yeah and I think part of it too is you fall back into your old norms so your old friend group roles your family dynamics politics yeah the politics everything (laughs) that maybe you grew and developed in different ways. And so sometimes you don't want to slide back into that. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah, I think it's good to find a version of yourself that wasn't what was made for you. Agreed. And so something I wanted to look up is places that I could never actually live. Oh. And so I looked up the most expensive suburbs (laughs) in America. (laughs) What'd you find? Uh, I was actually surprised by my list. I'm surprised you suburbs. Yeah, well, because I was like, you know, I would never move to like a high-rise apartment. And I feel like that obviously would price you out of every city anyway. So I wanted to learn like where the people live who aren't like in the city like – Silicon Valley or, like, in in New York City in the apartments. Anyway, yeah. point being, most expensive suburb. Makes sense to me. Anyway. Yeah, um, it's, it's achievable. Yeah, because I would always want to buy, like, a standalone house. Like, I wouldn't want to share walls. I'm beyond that point in my life. I'm not oh, interested. Yeah. So, I wanted to look up some places that we could check off our list because we'll never be this rich in our lives. And Perfect. Then we don't have to concern ourselves yeah. <laughs> with the potential of such. So, um, making the list that I was surprised about, would you believe me if I said a place in Wyoming is one of like the most expensive places to live in America? That shocks me because I can't name more than one town in Wyoming. Yeah. So, I'm pretty sure this is like the suburb of Jackson, Wyoming, or Jackson Hole, if you've heard of it. Um, it's like a resort town. There's like skiing. Apparently, like Kim and Kanye have like a. a Whole, yeah. You didn't know this? No. Well, this is cool. I don't know me. anything about Kim and Kanye. <laughs> yeah. But where is it? Um, It's like 10 hours from where we live right now. Okay. Um, it's in like tucked into a mountain range of Wyoming. I don't know too much. Um, This is based off assumption. I was actually born in Wyoming, in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, but not the rich part of town, I'll tell you that. So what's the town? Uh, so it's called Wilson, Wyoming. Oh, I've literally never heard me of it. Me either. What? But I imagine it's surrounding Jackson Hole. That blows my mind. Yes. Um, which, short story on this, um, Dakota, my husband, worked with someone who was from this area, mm-hmm. but they had, like, generations from that town, and apparently they had a house that was, like, less than a 1,000 square feet, like, basically like a, a... Like a studio apartment house. Yeah, but, like, cabin-y. Think, oh, So, sure. Wyoming is very, like, outdoorsy, nature-y, resort-y, kind of like, think Colorado, but even pointier mountains, even <laughs> bigger... And things were more expensive in this area. So um, her house, she put up for sale because all of her kids moved away and the, like, basically her family wasn't there anymore and she was moving. She sold, I think it was like a quarter acre of land. Like, it was just like a little plot of land near Jackson Hole, Wyoming Mm -hmm. uh, for over a million dollars. Just because, like, the location. That doesn't make literally any sense to me. I know. So basically, she just waited it out until it was worth that much. Yeah. And then it was kind of luck at that point that she was kind of... That's insane. Yeah. That's, I mean, good that. for her, I guess. Yeah. That's cool. So the median uh, house, like, list price is $2,798,000. Median. Oh, median. Gosh. That's the middle. <laughs> that's the average. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And that's the Ooh. bottom of my list. What? So I figured we could hop around a little bit. Oh, my gosh. The only context I have of Wyoming was when I was probably five. My best friend moved to, I think, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And we wrote each other, I think, one letter <laughs> each. And cute. I don't know whatever happened to Jessica, but <laughs> she was Maybe my first really slumber rich. party. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, cute. Hmm. Anyway. So, anyway, I thought that one was interesting. Um, oh, and then a place called Snowmass, Colorado, makes the list above that for the median price about $3 million. Oh. Is that by, like, Denver or what? 
Uh, I don't know about that one for sure, but That's I would assume so. Snowmass wow. makes me think it's like again like in resort mountains, town. Yeah. Apparently, people who ski and snowboard have all the money and places with all the mountains. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me too much. Even living near Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, yeah. up by like Schweitzer Mountain and Silver Mountain, like there's some pretty ritzy yep. places up there. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and then actually, so we just talked about how we had gotten back from our travel, but we went to Massachusetts mm-hmm. and we covered most of the east coast of Massachusetts, Cape Cod area, all the way to Boston, um, for about a week. Well, there are two on this list from Massachusetts, um, a place called Woods Hole, which I didn't hear about that That's one. on Martha's Vineyard. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. So the We meat... were there. Oh. Or very close to there. Oh, okay. Or oh. no, I'm sorry. It's, mm, okay, it's either on Martha's Vineyard or it's where you take like, the ferry out ah. of Martha's Vineyard. I don't remember which, but oh, we were there. Oh, oh, oh. Huh. I think it's where you leave out of to go to Martha's Vineyard. It's the ferry. Could be. Could be. Huh. We didn't spend that, any time there. It did feel kind of nice. Yeah, and so, and we can talk about this a little bit more, um, but that the median list price there is $3.1 million. But then another one is uh, Boston, Massachusetts, Beacon Hill specifically. I wasn't sure if we discovered that area, but I was thinking, could that be by, I know you and Eric explored the area, what was it called? Something Hill? Bunker Hill. Bunker Hill. So I was thinking maybe it was that area? That was a super cute part of town, so it might be. Actually, no. It's where we parked our car in the parking garage, I think. Let me confirm. Oh. It totally is. So it's like historic Boston. Uh, mm -hmm. So that doesn't surprise me either. Hmm. It's near the Cheers bar. Yeah. Which I guess you didn't see, but. No. But I know the area. It seemed pretty nice. Kind of, actually, where we were at, it did seem kind of family-oriented because there was a park and there was a lot of history. Yeah. It was a cute area. Cute. I yeah. lived there. Yeah. Not for millions of dollars. Oh, I, no, no, no. You know. So that one was sitting at, again, like 3.15 mil. Um, and then above that is a place called Glenbrook, ne- Glenbrook Nevada, um, with the median list price of $3.2 million. Is that near Vegas? Uh, actually, on the banks of Lake Tahoe. Oh. Seeing a pattern here? It's like resorty water places. Yeah. Or and mountains. Like, yeah. Wa- <laughs> Either water or frozen water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Above that is Miami Beach, Florida. So this one's a beachier one, a party town. That's $3.7 million as the I average. I would never want to live there. Yeah. And Even then a place, which I wanted to ask if you were familiar with it at all, uh, sitting at the average at $4.89 million. Um, is Medina, Washington, which if I had to guess is probably near the area that we like have watched fireworks before, like kind of maybe by the, what's it called? Uh, Puget Sound. Puget Sound, or maybe it's kind of beachy, but there were some beautiful Not houses. Not quite. It's near Bellevue, oh. which is expensive. Oh yeah. Bellevue is beautiful. And it is on the water. Gotcha. So that would do it. Makes sense. Yeah. A so whole it's whopping north of Seattle. million, yeah, it's crazy. I want to say there's some big corporate, like, headquarters there. So there's a lot of business folk with a lot of money. Makes sense to me. And then 
Above that, with the average list price of $5.1 million, is New York, New York. That is... Does that, how is that a suburb? See, that's... <laughs> I think mainly, mainly it's boroughs. talking about, like, yeah, the area. The suburb. broader region. Yeah. Not, not shocking, but... Good Still crazy. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Rich people. And it's probably an apartment. Yeah. And then the top two on the list are both in California. Um, Los Altos and Atherton, which Atherton is the top of the list. And I've never heard about that one before. It says it's close to Facebook's headquarters. Does that make it Silicon Valley maybe? Yeah. I actually, if you told me to name anything related to Silicon Valley, I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah. tell you what state it's in. I couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs> well, it's California. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Uh, is it near like, I don't know, San Francisco? That I have no idea. I literally don't know. We're probably causing some people a lot of pain hearing. <laughs> uh, I will prob. I, I think I can say that geography is my worst subject, yeah. and I don't think I ever formally took it as a class yeah. anyway. More excuses to travel. In fact, we should True. take our girls' trip to California so See, we can learn some of this. Yeah, the ones that I knew even a smidge about were because I've been somewhere near there. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, Atherton is near San Francisco, kind of. So the average list price there is $10.1 million. And it's not even in San Francisco. (laughs) That is insane. Yeah, isn't it? So anyway, that is my list of those. And I thought it would be nice to know. Well, I wanted to look at the trends, obviously, because if you're thinking about purchasing real estate or maybe moving to a place, thinking Mm -hmm. about resort towns, like where the money goes, I feel like it's an interesting theory to think, okay, it's the resorts, it's the mountains, it's the water, it's the good weather. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was kind of funny that it was like a pretty good split, like 50-50 with both coasts, but nothing in the middle of the country. Yeah, that's true. It's but either... I think Wyoming was the deepest. That's true. Wyoming, Colorado. Nevada. I. Mm, yeah, that's true. But yeah, nothing in like the Midwest. No. Not even like Chicago. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, actually. Or Texas. Well, Texas is pretty cheap, actually, yeah, from what I understand. Cheap. So that's really interesting. I am glad that a lot of those places I didn't want to move anyway. Yeah, exactly. But there were some. Like, I would live in Boston. I liked Boston. I, it was hot. Yeah, we were. But that might have been bad timing. Yeah, it was a little humid. But, but people were lovely. I was surprised. So just quick synopsis of what I thought of the East Coast. It was my first time, and I think some of our kind of first times. All of our first time. Yeah, spending that much time on the East Coast just to kind of explore things. And something I noticed was like, so we were told, being raised on the West Coast, is that people on the East Coast are mean. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not even, I I would say not mean, but they are not interested in chit-chat or you because there's so much going on and there's people everywhere. They don't care about you. The way I was literally always described is like, if you are from the East Coast, you will step over someone actively having a seizure and not care, basically. Like, step over a sick, ill person and not worry about I them. think I've heard that, or, well, not that, but I've heard that type of, like, expectation specifically about New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe, well, anyway. Yeah, that Which, was always what I was taught. But people were really, <laughs> well, the Boston folk that we came, like, we encountered were very loud very, very stere- proud yeah and stereotypey a little bit although we that's when we went to like a red Sox game which i feel like is like the most boston you could get with like yeah, the crowd of 
boisterous men <laughs> you could find wanting to express their opinions. Um, but yeah, so I thought everybody was super friendly and like had a lot of charisma, but they were mm-hmm. very loud and maybe said some off color things, but it was still like their charisma kind of. But like you liked it. them because, yeah. yeah, they were charismatic and they were loud even when they were being nice and friendly. Yeah, <laughs> or like, like I, a lot of them said like, Things that were, like, rude but funny, but everybody got that it was a joke, if that makes sense. And so it was light-spirited and kind of nice, so. Yeah. Anyway, that was kind of fun. But the things that didn't sell me on moving there was just, like, how densely populated the area that we were in was. And, again, we were – we discovered a lot of Boston and then all the way out to the tip of Cape Cod. But – and when I picture the beaches – I've mainly spent time on the Oregon coast and it's like you're going to look both ways (laughs) on the beach and you may not see anybody else for miles and it's all sandy beach for miles and miles and miles and miles. Well, I will say the Oregon coast is unique because it's not warm enough to swim. Yeah. Like really ever. Yeah. It's mainly to be on the beach to be on the beach. Yeah. It's to be on the beach. It's not to like swim. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas in California, that's not quite as common. Yeah. So... That's always what I had pictured. So I was kind of surprised when we went to, like, the Cape Cod area because there wasn't as many expansive beaches and, like, less, like, people around than I was expecting. So I I was shocked that I figured it's a beach. It's going to be the beach vibe. Yeah. But even though we were on the beach, it had a different vibe. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to quantify that other than to say I didn't expect it. Yeah. Exactly. And so it was a little interesting to me, but it was good because it's a a place that I considered a place to check off my list because I don't want to live in that populated of a place, even when the suburbs or like the places that aren't like in Boston proper are, I don't know, everyone, everywhere just felt too populated for me, at least that we saw. But I I figure more inland in Massachusetts is Mm -hmm. probably better. I hear Um, Maine is very nice too. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that as well. We didn't venture into Maine though. Nope. But, yeah, kind of fun to see what to check off the list. Um, It's kind of fun (laughs) to get to explore and see if your expectations were accurate or if the stereotypes match. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So, Which some of the Boston ones did. Some did. And some some of the Cape Cod ones did. But I was expecting preppy people everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And the only preppy people that I actually saw that seemed, like, rich and, like, were, like, tying sweaters around their shoulders were in – Nantucket itself Mm. so other than that it was like there really wasn't preppy people running around (laughs) yeah fair enough I was imagining so many polos and whatever (laughs) but yeah so it yeah it was different than I expected but by the end I did like like I wouldn't want to live in the Cape Cod region yeah but I I would live not in Boston I don't think I would ever want to live in a big city yeah mainly because I'm too cheap and yeah. I would never be willing to pay the prices yeah. that it costs to live there yeah but I liked the vibe mm-hmm. yeah no good vibes for sure it's definitely I would have liked to go out in that town and like see what it was mm-hmm. like to like go out dancing and stuff but we're still on the tail end of pandemic times yeah and... we were trying to keep to ourselves yeah for the most part so we maybe didn't see any nightlife or anything but yeah. still. Still a good experience. Yeah. And I I love traveling and getting to kind of experience how other people live and just the minor culture differences. Like, even silly things like seeing, oh, people don't drive trucks as much here. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know, something you don't necessarily think about. I love the nuances. Yeah. Yeah. Which, my last very brief topic that I wanted to bring up, and this is what I, I alluded to Mackenzie about, I have one piece of news 
that is something we've talked about, but I think you guys would be interested in hearing, is um, the day we were flying back from Boston, the Cape Cod area, um, a guy got swallowed by a whale. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel and like... we were just there. Yeah, and it made, of. like, national news. Yeah, so, I'm like, still seeing Instagram posts about, mm-hmm. like, his story and him being on the news and stuff. Yeah, so I thought it was really weird that there was, like, a national news story out of Cape Cod the day we were leaving. Well, and we literally, I Googled before we went, like, oh, can you swim on, like, the Cape Cod beaches? And it said, you probably shouldn't. There are sharks. sharks. Yeah, white, uh, what are they called? Great white sharks. There oh, yeah, I don't, I don't Super dangerous that. ones. Yeah. Well, and it, interestingly enough, it said it's not so much that the sharks are dangerous, is that don't get near the seals because they eat the seals. Yeah. And so they'll think you're a seal. seal. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so we were... We, I mean, it wasn't quite warm enough to swim anyway, so we weren't planning to. But we all agreed, like, okay, well, cross <laughs> never, that off the list. Yeah, never go past your Don't knees. Don't set that expectation. <laughs> and then a whale swallows a human. Yeah, apparently we need to be afraid of whales, too. But I guess this guy was scuba diving for lobster. And I think he – it's not, like, necessarily, like, commercial fishing that you do where you'd, like, put a big net in or a big cage for lobster. I don't mm-hmm. really know how you fish for them. But he was, like, hand-picking out the big ones from, like, the bottom oh. of the water. And so um, one of the main, like, headline photos he has is, like, holding up this giant lobster that's, like, Whoa. the size of his whole body. Like, it's huge. So it looks like a lobster. So, yeah. So I think he, like, free swims down and gets the lobster off the bottom of the ground or whatever in the in the water. And he said basically for, like, I can't remember if he said, like, 30 seconds or Something seconds. like that. It was pretty yeah. long. Yeah. Um, he was. He said everything went dark and it felt like all these muscles were around him. Like he Ooh. couldn't move. And then he well, had and thought, he was like sure he was dying. Yeah. Like he was going to die that Yes. Way. He thought it was a shark because probably oh. like us, he was conditioned to know there's lots of sharks in the water. And if he's sure. from the area, of course, he already knows that. Um, so anyway, and then the whale spat him out. <laughs> yeah. He was <laughs> like, ew, person. I don't want this. I wanted krill. <laughs> So anyway, that's just one. And he was fine. Yeah, he's totally fine. I think he went to the hospital to get checked out, and he was a little bit bruised up. Um, And I think they were more concerned that he had surfaced too quickly from scuba diving to the surface because he was spat out by the whale. Yeah, the pressure shock. I forget that's called. Yeah, that's a good point. And I I think um, what I read in the article, the way I interpreted it was. In that time where he got, like, gulped by the whale and spat back out, he got spat back out where the boat could see him being spit out by the whale. Oh, So that's gosh. why it wasn't like some guy was swimming around in the bottom of the ocean and he came up with a story to tell. It was like, oh, no, the he boat was... <laughs> saw the story that was told, which was getting told he was icky by the whale. Oh, yeah. It's probably good someone was there and yeah. saw him and who knows if they would have believed him yeah <laughs> totally be like uh-huh okay sure it ate you yeah <laughs> so anyway thought that was kind of interesting crazy that's my last piece well so i think this was a fun time to learn about some new interesting things mm-hmm. so as always we're still fascinated mm-hmm. about many things many on a smaller scale and we hope <laughs> you are too yeah and you'll join us next time yeah so we hope you subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts you can find us on instagram and facebook mm-hmm. and twitter and we will be back to regular episodes going forward post forgive our hiatus but yes. <laughs> we back baby we back <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening <laughs>